Hello, and welcome to the Modern Maker Podcast. I'm Chris Salamone, and with me as always, Mike Montgomery. Hey, I'm happy to be here. And Ben Ueda. What's up? What's up? Budweiser. Uh, let's see, today is Thursday, December 14th, otherwise known as Roast Chestnuts Day. Which, uh, Over an open fire? Doesn't say that. It just says roast oh. chestnut. There's no claim of an open fire. I don't think I've Have ever you- had a roast chestnut. Well... Let me tell you, they're terrible. and <laughs> Not as good as the some, song makes them sound? They're somewhere in between a hazelnut and a date. Ooh. They're kind of, and they, when you open them up, they look like, like a little mini brain. Mm. They're like kind of like, they're exactly Paint like brain shaped and like kind of like uh, disgusting looking. Now, is it possible that the ones you ate were roasted over a closed fire? That, that could be the, the problem. problem. <laughs> yeah. My my dad really likes them. That's like one of his like go to <laughs> sort of like you know after Thanksgiving snacks. Got to get and, a roast chestnut. Uh, yeah, he roasts them in the oven, and then like uh, so you have to like first notch the shell with a knife because otherwise they'll explode. Oh, yeah. uh, so it's like all this prep, and they're just hot garbage. <laughs> a lot of work for a little reward. All this yeah. prep, and they don't even taste. But good. shout out to Whitney. Do your thing. There you do go. it up cool Shut so up. uh who wants to go first this week what are you guys working uh, on I'm what we're, well i see what you're working on this week ben so go ahead and talk about it it's right behind right. you yeah yeah it's the boogeyman so uh i had an interesting conversation with uh with a five-year-old recently and you know they were one one of the coolest things that i wasn't anticipating is that a lot of children watch YouTube and they really oh, yeah. like YouTube as like a like as an educational or entertainment kind of uh, a source. A lot of my friends that have kids will like sort of say, oh, you remember Ben? He's actually on YouTube. And it gives me like a huge amount of street cred with, uh, <laughs> with, with uh, you know, five-year-olds, right? So I was having a conversation and uh, they asked, why, why don't I design more things that look like spaceships? <laughs> valid, very valid. I've often yeah. wondered. And my immediate reaction was like, I, I, I could feel myself even just start to have an answer because I, I try to like talk to children like as if they're adults. Because when I was a kid, I always appreciated when adults talked to me like I was smart. Right. Um, and the I my, my immediate reaction was to start to say, well, you know, because spaceships have special tools and like NASA, blah 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 blah, right? <laughs> And I was like, wait, no, no, no. I just, and I was like, well, what do you mean? And all he really meant was that like more curves and geometry that wasn't as rectilinear, right? Uh, and that made me think, oh, when a five-year-old sort of looks at what they see as normal furniture, it might just be uh, rectangles. They might abstract it to just a pile of rectangles yeah. and textures and prints and patterns. And when they see like spaceships and stuff like that, they're seeing all these crazy forms that are streamlined. So I was like, oh, wait, if I'm guessing what they're actually thinking of it as somewhat accurate, I think I could do that. So uh, I needed to do a project for a new sponsor uh, called Eero, which is like, hey, Mike, you could use this. It's oh. a better Wi-Fi home mesh system. <laughs> oh, I could use that. <laughs> is it also like a Wi-Fi extender? Yeah, it's basically like that. So, ooh, it, that's kind of cool. Then I could get Wi-Fi out in my shop. That'd be sweet. Maybe, maybe, because it's yeah. detached from the house. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it's actually I, I used it because uh, with when I just had the regular uh, Wi-Fi hub, uh, if I'm on my roof deck or down the driveway, the the reception's like really spotty. 
so this thing, I put like these different little extenders, like one up, upstairs in the stairwell and then one at the, on the first floor. It's like three floors down. And now it's like it meshes. It keeps relaying that signal. But yeah. anyways, um, I need to make a desk. And I, w- I was planning to do it uh, out of a piece of stone that uh, I picked out when I went to the stone yard. But that wasn't quite ready yet. It was still buried under a pile. And I had to wait a few days for them to forklift it out. So I just decided to try to make a spaceship looking uh, plywood desk out of just scraps and old prototypes of other projects that hadn't gone anywhere. It came out pretty cool. I like it. Yeah. I had also seen a, the, the sort of specific visual reference came from this movie I saw uh, recently on on demand called Valerian. It sounds familiar. Again, again, hot garbage uh <laughs> the chestnut equivalent visually visually very interesting uh there there were some pretty clever depictions of outer space the plot was just stupid the you know what i know the, exactly what it came out pretty recently yeah yeah they sort of got this guy that kind of looks like leonardo dicaprio but yes. he's like looks very emo yeah but sucks yeah. at acting yeah uh, and <laughs> <laughs> it was just weird, but like visually, it was there were some pretty interesting parts. And one of the things that they had was like a, a, a this sort of the the story was that the International Space Station, which actually does exist, if they just kept adding on with different civilizations plugging in, eventually, you know, ten thousand, twenty thousand years from now, it would be this big amalgamation of all these different alien species adding on to this one thing. So it wouldn't look like it was designed at once. It would just look like this weird pod-related network of things. Hmm. So there's a, there's a scene in that where I sort of saw the, the, that sort of visual. And I was like, oh, I could do a desk like that because that's kind of how my workspace looks uh, when it's messy. Is this will be like a computer screen over here and then like my phone charging over to there and then a microphone that I'm going to talk into stuck over here and down below some hard drives. And so I just sort of used a jigsaw and just whipped out a... Uh, a very curved desk and the most fun part was is because I was just kind of just making out of scraps there was no real planning or measurements it just took a pile of, of plywood scraps and the jigsaw and just sort of made shapes out of each scrap no matter what size it came in and then from there sort of put those pieces together so it was kind of a different way of, of approaching it and was pretty relaxing nice. did you use anything to trace out your curves or did you just like free ball it Freehanded it. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to hold the pencil. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. What are you working on, Chris? Um, let's see. So this past weekend, I busted out a shoe rack for another Dwell video. So nice. actually, first, let me say this. So Let's talk about Dwell. Yeah. Let's talk about Dwell real quick. So Ben put up his first video last week. I really liked the way that you handled or, or what you wrote in reply to somebody. I was reading the comments and somebody... I can't remember exactly what they were saying. I, kind of like as if it was diminishing the value of finer furniture or whatever. And then you made the point that as you get more into cooking and food, you actually have a better appreciation for the high quality stuff. I read so, that, yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that yeah. was a really good analogy that you gave. It, that's, uh, I have a lot of practice with that analogy because <laughs> uh, a lot of people have accused me of degrading uh, sacred uh, pursuits. You know, the first one being architecture. People, when I when I created uh, Free Green, uh, the tech company, they said that I was 
you know, creating this sort of bastardized cheap version of architecture. Mm -hmm. And people have said, again, with, when I started Homemade Modern, people said the same thing. Oh, you're going to make it really hard for, for furniture makers. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Uh, the more people learn to cook, it doesn't make them not go to good restaurants. If you talk to anyone that really enjoys cooking, there, I would, I, I would bet that they're more likely to spend a lot of money on a really great restaurant. Yeah. Now they're less likely to go to Applebee's, right? Because <laughs> yeah. they understand that they can actually make something better than Applebee's. But it it won't prohibit them, or it'll probably actually encourage them to seek out and find chefs that have spent their whole life to do something that they really enjoy as a hobby, but they want to get inspired and see something really, really great. Right. It's a good so, analogy. Yeah, so I, I really like that analogy, and I like the way that you handled that. Because it, it did seem like some of the comments were on that same kind of like, you know, oh, yeah, this is DIY. All I need is this, that whole comment. So I was thinking about, okay, well, what do I want to do for this project? How am I going to defend my project? <laughs> no. Well, no, no. This, I mean, and this is something that I think... I think subconsciously on every project that I make. And I think with Ben, it's probably more conscious and I'm going to try to make it more conscious with me now is that, so this, this plywood shoe rack, it was basically built using the same techniques of building up the joinery as how I did the plywood dining table. So yeah, it's a DIY about how you can build this exact thing like at the surface level. But more than that, it's really, like here's how you can build things using this technique. And then, so what I'd wanna show in the video would be like, I'm building like, I don't wanna say a super simple project, but I'll say like a very mid-level mid -level to simple project. You could use this same technique to build things that are way more complex and I can reference the dining table or you could use the same technique to build things that are simpler, you know, if you're not ready to be cutting angles or for whatever reason. So yeah, I just wanted to go in like with that frame of mind and I want that to be, hopefully I can, make that come off like in what I'm talking about in the video a little bit more and see if people take that to heart or not. That, that'll be yet to be determined, I guess. Yeah, that's a cool approach. It's kind of the same way like when I edit videos now. Back a year, year and a half ago, whenever I was like, flattening a tabletop with a bandsaw or with a, uh, a belt sander, Mm -hmm. I would explain everything that I'm doing. I was explaining, I'm trying to find high spots. Now I use a straight edge and I go across it, find another high spot until I get a relatively flat tabletop. Mm -hmm. But now I just kind of explain, I flattened out this tabletop. And I should probably say, if you want to see an in-depth how-to, watch this table video. Mm -hmm. But it's kind of that sort of thing where you can use a video, like the first dining table you make, you use that to over-explain it. And then now that you've already got that behind you, you can assume, or at least I do, you can assume people have a basic understanding or right. that you at least don't need, need to go into ultra deep detail. So yeah. it's kind of the same way with like, this is, hey, I'm Chris. I'm introducing this technique. Um, this is how I'm doing it, basically. So mm -hmm. it's cool. Yeah. You can use it to build this or you can use it to build that. But the important exactly. part is the technique. I think so, yeah. yeah. The, 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 the other thing is to remember is that if no, no matter what business you're in, if you feel that like, the more your audience knows, the more information they know about your craft or your pursuit, the more it hurts you, then you're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right? Right. And think think about like e even something like Starbucks. Starbucks didn't just, it wasn't like there was a whole massive empire of all these little individual one-off hipster coffee shops and then Starbucks came along and killed them all. Right. all. No, no, no. Yeah, it made it possible for them to be them. 
Right. They sort of showed that, like, introduced people like, hey, midday coffee. There's coffee. There's coffee that's better than Maxwell House and Folgers. Oh wow! There could probably even be coffee greater than this. If this is mass produced, imagine what the specialty version could be. And I would say that they did the opposite. They expanded the market and created more awareness. And they showed that coffee could be good. And then it made people sort of wonder, what if coffee is great? And I think, uh, particularly at the type of content that I do, is I hope to sort of show novelty and interesting ideas, but let people know that, oh, wait, there's so many levels of craftsmanship that are like above and beyond what I'm doing or what anyone can really do as a DIY. But the ideas can sort of filter through and be executed at different levels. Yeah, I think that uh, there's, I mean, we always hear supply and demand, and we all know how that works in a vacuum. But to go back to your Starbucks analogy, sometimes supply actually creates demand. So they created this whole thing that did not exist really before. But there's nothing better than you ban. You didn't mention them as one to be better than. (laughs) Just joking, I've never, I don't even drink coffee. (laughs) (laughs) All right, is that all you're doing this week, Chris? Just coffee jokes. Okay, cool. (laughs) This week, big project, actually. Putting out a dining table video. I'm excited. Ah, Going big. The breaking in in period is done. (laughs) So yeah, I got a uh, IKEA-inspired video. Whenever we were down in IKEA picking up all the stuff for that IKEA hack series video, I was just kind of going around taking a couple pictures of a couple of the pieces I liked. And there's this dining table that was just a simple split-top dining table with wooden square frame legs. Nothing Mm -hmm. that's going to blow your mind, but it's just a real solid piece. So I took that design and kind of just adapted it to fit dimensional lumber that you're going to get from Home Depot or Lowe's Mm -hmm. and did that. I finished it up today, the day we're recording it. So hopefully it should be out on Thursday. If not, it'll be out on Friday. And last week I talked about... uh, we, we were, I think it was last week, maybe the week before, we were mentioning wood stains and wood finishes and all that kind of stuff, how uh-huh. we've changed. It was that episode. Okay, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, and I said, you know, I don't really tend to stain wood very much anymore, but I stained this dining table for good reason. What was it? I went to Home Depot, and the 2x12s were really, really ugly. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know what it was. It was just a bad day. That that kind of happens sometimes. Were they like the pinkish ones or more like the yes. yellowish ones? It was it was that Douglas fir when it gets that weird pink color. And yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I just I knew I I knew I knew I wasn't clear coating them at least. But so I went to Lowe's and they had surprisingly good two by twelves that day. But the two by twelves were what you would call southern yellow pine, and the two by fours that I used for the base are. Either Douglas fir or some kind of white wood or something else. So long story short, the boards I used for the tabletop had a slightly yellow hue while the base uh, was a little more pure white. Just had to match them. Yeah, so it was just that situation where if I clear coat them, they looked okay together. They really didn't. I think they would have photographed all right, but in person they just didn't have that cohesiveness that I really wanted. So I went around to the stain aisle while we were in there. And we picked up Early American by Minwax. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give him a kudos. Is that, is that the color name? Yes. Uh, it's not just an Early American man or anything like that. It's the stain. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I've used the stain Provincial. And I liked that a lot. That's what I used on the, the slat wall in the bathroom remodel. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this Early American, I think, is just a touch lighter, a little bit less deep of a brown. Brown. 
and it came out pretty nice. So we'll be taking photos of that tomorrow. Hopefully get the video edited same day and maybe sponsor approval and everything by Thursday. So I'm glad to be building a big project again. It's been a little while. It's nice to have you back, Mike. Thanks, man. It was a while. (laughs) But anyways, that is all this week. What are we talking about? We're talking about gift ideas Mm -hmm. since it's the holiday season. For that woodworker on your list or yourself. Yeah, and we thought we'd talk about them at a few different kind of price levels uh, Mm -hmm. just because that. And it's also just basically a, I don't know, a list of things that we think are particularly interesting or useful. Mm -hmm. So I will go first. We'll kind of jump around a little bit. Should we just go around, do like our cheapest ones first and then work our way up? Let's start low and work our way up. All right. What do you got for your 25 and under, Ben? So the I, ha- I have a few. The The first is a water bottle. Like I am, you know, one of the things when you go to a lot of conferences and stuff, you get a lot of these like, you know, sometimes actually pretty nice like sort of water bottles yeah. and stuff like that. It's like a pretty common swag. You'll get the stainless steel ones that are hanging around the shop. What I've always disliked about most is particularly of the sort of stainless steel or sort of metal uh, water bottles mm-hmm. is that. I never can tell if, like, I drop something in it or if it's clean inside, right? Yeah, and you can't dishwash them. (laughs) So one of the first Kickstarters I ever supported was a company called the Alex Bottle. And it was actually started by uh, a friend of mine, uh, Gretchen Blyer, who actually was an Olympic gold medal snowblower or snowboarder. (laughs) (laughs) You get your driveway cleared out in under 15 (laughs) minutes, guaranteed. Uh, She's a a snowboarder. And her and her husband sort of designed this and uh, brought it to Kickstarter. It did really well. And it was, it, was, it was actually, yeah, the first thing I ever bought on Kickstarter. First of many. Cool. Um, and what's different about it, it's a stainless steel bottle, but it opens up in two places. It opens up in the middle, so you can have it like a cup for it. And so you could put like a smoothie in it. You could put coffee in it. You could put uh, an adult beverage in there. <laughs> but you could still like open up both halves and then put it in a dishwasher and it gets washed out completely. Baby. Um, I like that. So that's the what's it called again? The Alex bottle. The Alex bottle. The Alex bottle. Chris, <laughs> calm down, man. It's just you a water just bottle. you just sold one, buddy. It, <laughs> it's it's pretty cool. Like uh, I have a few of them. It's like our you know everyone on my team has one, and like we all sort of use them. And it's like they're fantastic. You can also hide a whole like bottle of beer inside of it if you're like you know. Now I'm really on to, board to hide a, a a road soda. So that was one. <laughs> On more of like the tool front at that same price point, it would be a Japanese pull saw, um, like right around sort of 30 bucks. Or if you want to go more the power uh, route, I would suggest a sort of Ryobi glue gun, which is right around, I think, like $29. That's awesome. Uh, I guess I'll go real quick. Sure. My under 25 is, oh, and by the way, I got that glue gun a couple weeks ago. Whew, game changer. Yeah. Game changer. But you, it's almost like it's almost like clamps. Like yes. you can just like start sticking stuff to stff. I did it with edge banding. I because I, uh, ah. I, I cut my own edge banding so it didn't have that pre-glued edge. So I just would glue the majority of it. Then I put a few beads or a few dots of hot glue and I just put them up there and uh, you just out peel really it well. off when you're done. Yeah. Um, so then my actual thing, though, is a big 12 inch framing square, carpenter square, speed square. A lot of people call them a lot of different things. Normally, they're about eight inches long, but to get one that is a full 12 inch is, god dang it. Knock it off, Mike. It's it's Christmas for crying out loud. Sorry, it's episode 69. What do you expect? (laughs) Getting dirty. (laughs) 
Anyways, to a 12-inch long speed square. They're very convenient to have. That way, if you're cutting most of your things with a circular saw, you can cut a 2x12, you can cut a 2x10 really, really fast. Um, whenever you get it, I do recommend clamping the speed square to the board at first until you get comfortable with it. But after a little while, you can just get to where you can hold the speed square with one hand, cut it with the other, and it's super fast. I would say pretty safe. Uh, just cut it on a piece of insulation like I've done in the past, I don't know, five of my videos. And it's uh, it's really convenient. So there you go. Nice. There we go. Yeah. For my, I, I only chose one thing also for the under $25. And this comes in at $18. So it leaves you some money to play with. And that is, I've been trying to get a little bit better about wearing a mask in the shop. So mm -hmm. I'm sure for most people, one of the reasons that you don't do it is it's just kind of inconvenient to take it on, take it off. Um, especially for me wearing glasses and stuff. It just, it's, you know, it's a pain in the butt. So I got this, I had a 3M one that I really liked. It, again, it was just a pain to take on and off, but I found this other 3M one that has a quick latch on it. So I know you guys can't see me, but basically it's got like a quick release thing where you just grab it up by like on top of your nose and pull it out and it'll just give it slack and it'll drop right back down. And then you can just pull it and it'll go right back up. That's so cool. it's just like a little, little like flip up and down on and off. Real easy. I've worn it for a couple projects now, and like, it's actually where I don't mind wearing it. I'm not even thinking about it usually. I can just, you know, I walk out of the garage, I take it off to just hang in there off me. Then I go back in, I flip it right back on real quick. So, definitely think that's a uh, a useful safety tool because it's it's something that'll actually coax you into wearing it. And by the way, I'll just that's say awesome. all the things that I'm going to talk about. I have if you go to um, I have affiliate links for all the things that I'll talk about on foureyesfurniture.com/tools. Cool. Oh, and I guess while we're on this mode, if you want to, everything we're talking about as a whole as well, it'll just be at modernmakerpodcast.com slash uh, tools. We'll make it tools. Yeah, That'll be the URL. But yeah, if you want to, you know, hit up Chris specifically, do that because Amazon affiliate links are cool. Well, we'll put them there too. So yeah, anyway, it'll be buy, everywhere. Just save yeah. your lungs. That's what's, that's save, what's really oh, important. Oh, and on the note of saving lungs, I'm doing a giveaway with RZ Mask this week. It ends on Friday. So if you're listening Thursday, you have one more day. If you're listening Friday, hop in because I'm closing it at, at 5 o'clock. Uh, are those those cool ones that make you look like a ninja? Yeah, they look like you're like a street or a sub-zero. Yeah, and the like I was, and it's kind of funny. I'm agreeing with Chris, but it's just a different product. But the same way with respirators that, or the same thing that I hate about most respirators is if you're wearing earmuffs, ugh. If you're wearing earmuffs or safety glasses, you got to take one of the three or two of the three items off to either get your respirator on or off. But the RZ mask, they just have that little Velcro strap that goes around the back of your neck, and it's uh, really easy to take on and off without messing with all your other doodads on your face. Yeah. So there we the go. The best respirator is the one that you'll wear. That, that's a generation gap for you right there, right? Like if like really young people, if they see like a cool mask, they say Bane and then slightly older people say Sub-Zero. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. I'm getting old, man. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> Hannibal so let's, Lester. Let's get, let's get incrementally more fancy and move up to the approximately $50 range. Okay. And for me... Uh, the, the the one I got is kind of a basic one, not super inventive, uh, but it's like a $47 circular saw from Home Depot. So if you get like the sort of the, the Ryobi sort of a 14 amp one. Uh, now, pretty pretty basic circular saw, not a fest tool, but it's the one I've used for cutting stone by putting a diamond blade on it. Oh, okay. 
you know, my sort of suggestion to people starting off, in most of my videos, I use uh, a cordless circular saw. And now I'm using the new sort of brushless uh, cordless one, which is, it's not, it's Ryobi, but it's not a cheap Ryobi one. It's probably about like a hundred bucks or so for the, for the brushless cordless uh, circular saw. But corded at this point is still, you're going to get a little bit more bang for your buck. So the corded uh, circular saw, the 14 amp one is 47 bucks. So that's the one, that's my sort of, uh, if I, if I want to sort of, you know, really put something through uh, the, the ringer, cutting stone, stuff like that. It's really messy, really dusty. Uh, that's the sort of tool that I use. And it, you know, you put the, the diamond blo- uh, blade on there and it, it goes right through it. So if you want sort of a, a tool that will serve you for years and years and have great value, it's, it's uh, I would say, the, the, the best version of that. Uh, and certainly, I think a more reliable version than anything you get at Harbor Freight, which would be around the same price. Well, that's so funny. Everything you said is basically kind of what I'm going to talk about. It's from Harbor Freight, but it is like the best thing you can possibly buy from Harbor Freight, probably. Um, I've ragged on Harbor Freight a lot on the podcast, so take this with a grain of salt. Uh, it's their belt sander. It's a 3-inch by 28-inch or a 3-inch by 21-inch, whatever their handheld belt sander is. Mm-hmm. Um, I like it a lot. I use 99% Ryobi tools, but the belt sander is the one thing that, as long as it's not a Ryobi-sponsored video, I'm going to use that Harbor Freight belt sander. And there's only really one reason, I, and it's the, the, size of the, the size of the belt and the size of the bed that the that is actually making contact with the tabletop if that's what you're sanding Mm -hmm. it's the same way as hand planes i guess the bigger the bed of your hand plane is the easier it is for flattening out big tabletops you don't want to use a small block plane to try and flatten out your dining table um and it works the same way as you know belt sanders i would imagine so that is my recommendation it's pretty cheap i've i'm on my second one uh i burnt one out after using it for about nine months and I've been using this one for about another year. So, yeah, it's a Harbor Freight item, but it's probably it's on my top three of Harbor Freight tools you can get and not completely regret. So Nice. For mine, in the $50 section, I got actually a pair of tools that combined come in right around $50. Okay. So, and these are something that you see me use a lot. I don't know. One of you guys want to guess at what they are? Oh, uh, it's got to be one of your marking things. It's got to do something to do with marking. It's that it's two of thing. my marking things. That's right. So the Inkra T-Rule and the Inkra Ruler, which you've probably seen me use the ruler a little bit less, but it's probably I just don't use it on camera as much, but I use it almost equally as much. Um, yeah, they're, I think they're probably you know 20 bucks each right around there, maybe a little bit less. So you can definitely get the pair of them for less than 50 bucks, depending. And I think they make different sizes ones. So if you got the biggest ones, you might go overboard, but pretty affordable, you know, they're expensive compared to a normal ruler, sure, but you know it's not going to break the bank. And I love them, man. I use those things all the time. I probably get more bang for my buck out of those than anything else in my garage. You probably use it for every project at some point in it. So oh yeah, I do. When you think of it that way, pretty you're integral. Your money's worth. Yeah, you're getting your less than fifty dollars worth. Yeah, and I would say th- uh, things that won't wear out and help with precision are like pretty good investments. Like those things. I mean, you could lose them. Um, and I probably would, um, but they won't wear out. They're not, they're, they're the opposite of a disposable. So, Mm -hmm. uh, if you were to factor, they make you a little bit more precise on every project you're going to do and you're going to use them on almost every project, then great value. Yep. 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 
Tape measures too, same way. Good tape measures are very nice to use. Worth their weight in gold. Yep. Not quite. <laughs> All right, $100. We're right around that. So this is a little bit under, uh, and it's a it's my favorite type of sawhorses. Um, and it's something you can get either Amazon or Home Depot. And uh, they're these folding metal yellow sawhorses. And they've recently got even better. They For a while, I couldn't find them on Amazon. And I probably ha- I've probably purchased like 12 pairs of these because I've also used them as like legs for tables because um, they look really cool and they fold. Oh, is that the one that you used on that one big tape? Yeah. 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 So they're very – they're like folded steel. They're not like sheet metal or galvanized. They're like heavy plate steel that's like folded over. You can get a pair of them for about 80 bucks. And it used to be they had a wing nut. And you'd have to like sort of adjust them by sort of uh, there was like pre-drilled holes in them and the legs would slide out. Um, so I've actually used them not just as sawhorses, but I've actually used them as a, as a ready-made in two projects. I did a, a desk, like a little mini desk uh, that could hang on the wall. And I used one of them uh, as the base for that since it has four legs. And I just put like a mini tabletop so it's a perfect little laptop top desk. And then I did... Uh, uh, conference room tables using them and like really heavy sort of two by uh, wood to sort of make the tabletop. That's the one I so, remember. Yeah, they those would look really cool even with just a, like a glass tabletop. I think they would look neat if you painted them a color, or did anything like that. They have a, yeah, they just have a really cool sort of industrial look. And the recent thing that they've upgraded them with, they used to have this sort of wingnut. Now they have this like heavy steel latch where you push the button and you can slide the legs up and down, and then they lock into position. So they fold up really small, which is great for, for my sort of workshop. Um, I've also used them just in my loft before I had a dining table is I wanted to have as much floor space open as possible. And I only, you only really need a dining table if you have like a lot of people over. So I just had like a door <laughs> and these two sawhorses, but they all fold up yeah. really flat. So I could instantly within like 10 minutes bring out a dining table that could seat eight people. Nice. Um, so and then it would the whole thing could fit into like a broom closet. Man, so, broom. Uh, you're selling me on stuff today, Ben. I, I might gotta I gotta go get some of these <laughs> now too because I got those. What are they called? Burrow ones. You know the like the wooden ones that they just have the cheap ones that you'll find at like Home Depot or whatever. I have those. Mm-hmm. I don't even keep them inside my garage anymore. They're just like sitting out on the side of my house. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Like uh, it, it's step up your sawhorse game. Heck yeah. For me, it's like for those types of items, I judge them by how likely I am. To me, like the success of like a sawhorse or a roller stand is are they fast enough to put into place and get adjusted correctly to the point where you don't just try to like wing it, right? Yeah. Right. Because when they're a little bit. going to actually use them. Right. When they're a little <laughs> bit too cumbersome, you're just like, ah, screw it. I'm just going to wing it. Right? I'm just, I'm just going to yeah. hold it extra harder. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So. That's to me like the sort of success with those kinds of uh, sort of apparatuses is when they are easy enough and fast enough to deploy that you actually end up doing the more sort of safe and correct uh, utilization. Nice. Chris, you go for it, man. Okay. Mine, actually, I don't know the price of mine. It's probably about 80 bucks or so. So this is a tool that, not the sexiest, but if you work alone in your shop, with plywood comes in very Whoa. handy. That's the oh. Gorilla Gripper. That's the name of the one I have. There's some other ones on the market, but that's that little one-handed clamp thing that you've probably seen me use where I can pick up a whole sheet of plywood. Yep. Oh, that thing I need to get one of those. Has, yeah, it's so useful. Like every, in the, Before I had that, there were plenty of times where I had to just like 
go grab a neighbor and be like, hey, can you help me move this real quick? Just because, I don't know, man, especially when you're trying to like, in a small workspace like mine, I keep all my plywood tucked up behind my joiner. So I have to like move some stuff to get it out and to try to like lift it up and pivot around things. Such a pain in the butt by yourself. But if you have this, it's it's pretty easy, man. You can just get it on there, kind of lock your shoulder and lift with the legs and makes it not a problem. Because plywood, I mean, honestly, it's it's heavy, but it's not that heavy. It's really just it's cumbersome because it's big and flat. Yeah, every time I every time you use it in a video, I'm like, dang, I need to get one of those. But then I keep watching the video and forget about it by the time it's over. But you got to watch them in reverse. That way, you see it at the end of the video. That's a <laughs> Something secret. about that I feel like will be a little less satisfying. Yeah, I'm gonna do, actually. That, I'm gonna do a video like that. Watch me disassemble this t- dining table. Well, there was this. Si- do you guys remember the Seinfeld reverse episode? Maybe I can do a Four Eyes reverse episode someday. There you go. Maybe try it out. My $100 tool thing, I think, comes in at $99.99 Dang. on Amazon. No tax. Yeah, for real. It, and it's uh, a Craig K4 jig. Normally, I'm K4 totally jig. happy. K4, yeah. Normally, I'm totally happy using the base model of whatever it is. You know, I don't need a track saw. Circular saw works great. All this kind of stuff. But a this pocket hole jig. Oh, it's a pocket comp- hole jig. Okay. Yes, this pocket hole jig compared to a pocket hole jig that you clamp onto your workpiece and do all that with, this is one stationary unit. You put it on your tabletop, and then instead of taking it to your workpiece, you take your workpiece to it. Mm-hmm. And it's so fast, super precise, great for repeatable things. So I was using it a lot on this dining table, working on the pocket holes around the base area. So I think everything I recommended I used on this dining table a lot, now that I think about it. It was just what's in my head of what I've been using and yeah, it's just one of those things where it's like most of the time an upgrade, especially an upgrade from, I think a base pocket hole jig is like $40. This one being a hundred dollars, that's a big upgrade, but I think it's totally worth it. It's one of those where you're going to get your money's worth out of it. If nothing else in just time savings and headaches. I think we uh, went through all of our things. Does anybody have anything that's under $10,000 they want to recommend? I have one that's free. Uh-oh. Um, Watch so, our videos. Uh <laughs> Last week, I sort of teased that I was going to be checking out like a stone yard. Um, yeah. And so I went to a place and it's like one of the places that uh, they sell slabs of like granite, marble and limestone that are used for custom countertops. Right. So in addition to the normal sort of quartz and corian and all those, they have these sort of big one of a kind giant slabs sitting out in front of their sort of workshop. Um, so. I, I went there because I was interested in buying some sort of remnant pieces. I want to do some stone coffee tables and like a desk. So I'm, I'm looking for kind of pieces that they're definitely going to sell, but they'll sell at sort of a discounted price that are kind of, you know, things that are about like 20 inches to two feet wide and maybe like three or four feet long. Yeah. So that might be left over from a big custom countertop job, but still big enough where you could make something cool out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I found a bunch of pieces like those and, uh, uh, the sales, the right sales guy wasn't there, so they just sort of took my name down uh, from one of the the guys in the workshop, and uh, you know they said, "Oh, we'll, we'll get back to you in pricing point." So a little bit disappointed because I wasn't able to sort of pick them up the same day that I sort of picked them out. But on my way out, I saw this sort of massive dumpster full of like scrap pieces of stone slabs and countertops, and I asked the guy, "I was like, well, what do you do with those?" And he goes, "Oh, we have to pay to have it all removed." And I was like, Ooh. "Oh." Light bulb. <laughs> exactly. I'm like, so do you mind if I take it? He's like, no, no take it. The more, the, the more, the better. So, 
uh, I, you know, that it's heavy and it's cold outside now here in Boston. So it's like picking up like stone that's been sitting outside. It's like freezing without gloves. It's also really hard to dig through a pile of giant sort of jagged yeah. stone slabs because some of the pieces were pretty big. And, you know, I got, I got one piece of, it actually wasn't stone. It was like quartz, but that's like a stone-like material. It's actually really nice. So it was perfectly white quartz that was about uh, 18 inches by about 30 inches. Nice. So, wow. Yeah. Weighs about like 30, 40 pounds. Inch and a, the other nice thing about countertop stone, particularly the natural stone, it's pretty thick. So it's about an inch and a quarter to an inch and a half uh, uh, thick. So I'm pretty excited. There's endless scraps of all different sort of – a lot of really long – uh, linear pieces there might be like three inches wide and like an inch and a quarter thick but like 30 inches long mm-hmm. so i'm sort of figuring out ideas of what i what i would build out of something where it's all sort of long skinny strips of stone so got a few ideas sort of working um definitely my lamination sort of, stone <laughs> yeah um <laughs> uh, uh got got a few sort of ideas cooking um but this is like really high grade material. This is material that sells, you know, for new for like anywhere from like thirty to you know maybe up to a hundred dollars per square foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's in smaller pieces, people are sort of getting it away. So definitely something to worth checking out, particularly if you're someone that likes to make like small sort of like wood boxes or things like that. This is a great way to get pieces to do inlays and stuff. And most of the times when we do like a stone inlay into wood. It might be sort of very curved or the, the stone might be the organic piece, but it might be really cool to just take like a, sl- a strip, you know, that's like uh, get a square, you know, length of marble that might be one and a quarter by one and a quarter and 30 inches long and just have it as like a cross stripe across like a walnut table. Yeah. Something like that could just look amazing. Right. Um, and these are the kind of things you can get for free. And so check out your local countertop places um and and dig around in their garbage but ask for them ask them ask first first. (laughs) that's cool Cool. advice and you can just cut that you can cut that with a tile saw or do you think you can't tile saw or again diamond blade uh on a circular saw saw. yeah but tile saw is better just for if you're gonna do a lot of cuts because it keeps the dust down because it's a wet one that's what I was thinking. Yeah. I didn't know if it was just that you could cut bluestone with a diamond blade or if you could just kind of cut generally most stones with a diamond blade and a circular saw. Well, the, the one of the slabs I'm picking up is honed limestone. And then uh, I'm getting some honed limestone and some honed slate. And it's awesome looking. So slate, you think of as like being really jagged. But when it's honed, it's like really smooth and matte. It's not glossy. It's not polished. It's like that in-between stage. And so I'm getting like... This, uh, this slab of sort of like green slate that's like just real smooth and buttery and then one of a, of a black slate. Um, and they're both like, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked on them. So Perfect. Oh, the other thing, shout out I wanted to get is uh, last week when I talked about how the three-quarter inch steel pipe fits inside the, the one-inch copper pipe, yeah. I've had so many people uh, Instagram me like sort of <laughs> them showing that, oh, you're all right, it does fit. And apparently like a, a, quite a few people are trying to make projects around that idea. So that's uh, awesome. Keep, okay. keep those things. If you finish a project using that technique, uh, uh, DM us, us on Instagram and, or tag us and uh, we'll post it on our Instagram account. Yeah. You know, I'm, I don't think I said this last week because 
now I'm afraid that I did. I just had this thought when you were saying it. But what if you found another thing that could fit inside of the three quarter inch thing? It could be like the turducken of pipes. I know. <laughs> Somebody's well, got to make I, that I started project. thinking about that. I might do sort of like a, uh, a the way Mike sort inside of, of a straw. Fill that inside. with a wooden dowel. Yeah. Exactly. So well, copper pipe, I, steel pipe, then dowel. Right. So if you if you sliced it all, it would look pretty cool because yeah. the steel yeah. would be shiny. Like the, cross the way you yeah. did that with the PVC and those dowels. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Just keep wrapping things in different things. Just putting things inside of other things. It's yeah, Russian so nesting dolls. There you go. Right. It's the what was the, so it's the inch copper pipe, galvanized steel three quarter inch, half inch wooden no, dowel. Non galvanized steel. Oh, non galvanized. Okay. Then you got your. You can maybe get like a thin piece of PVC inside there. You get a straw inside of that. You get a boba a, straw. A pipe cleaner. <laughs> yeah, go, go boba straw then normal straw. Yeah. <laughs> pipe cleaner, toothpick, atom. Done. Wow. That's that's your last one. Solved it. All right. Um, <laughs> You're welcome. So I don't have a hypothetical, but I did kind of have a shower thought this morning. So I'll read mm. it to you guys and see if you want to discuss it. Okay. Uh, so let's here. hear it. Let's hear it. All right. So. What I thought was, I was basically just thinking in the future. I was thinking 500 years at first, but I thought that was too hard. So I'm going to take it down to 200 years. 200 okay. years in the future, who from our time will be a household name? Ooh, well, you know, I don't know. No one. Nobody? 500 years? 200. I mean, 200 years. 200. Well, I mean, if you think about it, I feel like there's someone you can think of from like every 100 years, maybe every 200 years. So there's got to be somebody. Yeah, I think there'll they'll be some people that are a household name. But, like, it's funny to think, you know, the people that are household names to you now, like LeBron James or something, will not be a household name in 200 years. Or even, yeah. like, you know, the Beatles oh, or yeah. something that you think's a shoe and probably will not be a household name in 200 years. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, okay, here's, here's people that I have as possible. I think Obama possibly okay. could be a household name still in 200 years because kids are going to learn about him in school yeah i think that's the secret is it's got to be people that you learn about in school because think well, about all the like einsteins all the ben franklins thomas edison's you learn about those when you're a kid in school right but okay so when would thomas edison be from see i don't even know thomas edison wait what yeah oh what like when was he alive yeah oh i think like late 1800s right mid late 1800s we need a historian here all right but well here anyway i'll I'll go back to what i what i was thinking so neil armstrong i think has a good shot because first person on the moon so that's Mm. something that you know it'll always be the first person to go on a moon and thomas edison born 1847 died 1931 so i was right in there i was right in right in the sweet spot i think that other people that have a shot would be maybe what like a like a Steve Jobs or a Zuckerberg or Bill Gates uh-huh. because they would have been on the Zuckerberg. forefront of like let's connectedness. Take, let's you take know. presidents uh, out of this, right? Because that's the obvious one. Okay, um, presidents okay. are out. Yeah. Uh, well, it, put it this way, right? Uh, who invented the television, which is a device everybody uses? See? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's John It's actually John a guy TV. named Fi- Philo Farnsworth. Um, but most people like don't know that right so what i what i if you look at the way sort of media is going uh we all have more access to all information and all media but we also have pluralization which makes it harder and harder to be a household name so it's never right 
there'll never be another Beatles because interests right. are There might not varied. even never be another Brad Pitt type person, right? Um, it's, it's really hard for people to have consensus around things because there's so many options now. So there's people don't have there isn't like the the this, the same amount of sort of like a few movie stars that are just bankable. Uh, we we've seen that transition to sort of Will Smith, right? It used to be he was like like just you know box office guaranteed, and now it's like what what's he doing like a weird movie on Netflix with like yeah yeah yeah, yeah that yeah. bright Not, or whatever. It's uh, so. So yes, we're more connected. We have access to more things, but we have so many options that things get pluralized. We don't all listen to the same music. We don't watch the same TV shows. There's TV is a great example. There's so many shows now. Um, so what I think it'll be will be some sort of ubiquitous device that just happens to be named after the person. So Elon Musk would be interesting if he developed like some sort of electric unicycle that everyone ends up using. That's called the Musk, right? But then people might not know him as a household name that he would is. They'll just think that that's what this new device that they have to use every day is called. So Tesla, there you go. Well, or, but he was a different Tesla, right? Never but mind. see, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. like the example, right? At, at this point, I would guess that it's very possible that more people know Tesla as a car than as the person. Oh yeah, yeah. Good I think change. the general right. public. So, yeah. There's like that four, it's like after like four generations, like it just gets dissolved to where nothing the first generation cared about, the, this new generation, it's, it's it right. It's no like the Heimlich, anymore. you know, from the Heimlich maneuver. Exactly. Well, I, I think the other thing to Ben's point, so like of having to create something that gets, po- so let's just say in this fake world, pretend that Steve Jobs invented the smartphone, right? And okay. everybody knew it and he's yeah. the most popular person. Everybody uses smartphones, blah, 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 blah. But then you have to ask yourself, in 200 years, are we still going to use phones? Because if we don't use phones anymore, it's then... It's not even going to be referenced. It's not gonna, yeah, that's not going to be a household name anymore. Wow. So it's like, you know, even right now, Henry Ford is, you know, you think of him at like, even though he didn't invent the car, you think of him as like synonymous with the beginning of cars. Yeah. What, what if we don't use cars in 50 years from now? Well, now that we're going down this rabbit hole, I've got another one for you. You ready? Let's hear it. You go into a time machine, right? But to... To go through a time machine, you can't have clothes or electronics. You just have to send your naked body. Uh-huh. And then Terminator. When you get, yes, exactly. And then whenever you get to the past, we're talking the we're talking past. Okay. And when you get there, then you obviously dress in whatever they normally wear. Mm-hmm. How do you convince them that you're from the future? Let's say it, but and it's where but, where but am I going caveat, to? The caveat, uh, you're going to Europe in 1633. Oh my God. Where nothing important. You can like nothing important. Yeah, I don't have a that like you know what I mean. You can't say well. Yeah, I'm not gonna say well on Tuesday. This is gonna happen. Yeah, exactly. So how do you convince them you're from the future by having superior sort of technical information, right? Like by sort of um, like what? Oh, for for example, you might like sort of explain that like sort of diseases can become from mosquitoes. Uh, You might try to then they're gonna be like, oh, you're crazy. We all know that it comes from uh, Whatever they thought looking at each other funny. Yeah, they're just gonna think (laughs) you're some weirdo What you could do is you wouldn't try to do it with any one thing You'd try to do it with sort of consistency Uh of like being slightly smarter So you wouldn't try to prove it with one point You would try to outline a whole bunch of things that you see as tendencies and over time people would be like, oh wow That guy's like pretty consistently 
ahead of the curve on things. So, but it's like, but it's important. It's like these are they're like witch trial era. You know what I'm saying? So they're just like, this guy isn't right. We definitely need to drown him or burn him at the stake or something. We do to witches. I'll just refer you to a few books that that deal with this. Uh, so the oldest one that I think of would be King Solomon's Mind, which is like a like a, a sort of a venerable, sort of old uh, a novel. And that was more sort of uh, dislocation, not through time travel, but into sort of uh, uh, different societies and sort of how they would sort of have to save themselves by sort of, you know, predicting eclipses and things like that. Uh, Connecticut Yankee and King Arthur's Court is a Mark Twain book that dealt with sort of time travel and how this guy actually sort of basically becomes Merlin in sort of uh, uh, those times by sort of building better (laughs) catapults and stuff like that. Uh, Primitive Technologies would be a great one. Uh, the YouTube channel because, you know, it's not that this, I mean, that guy's brilliant and he's great, but it's not that he's so much smarter than any person that ever lived back in that time. He just is, you'd be surprised at how much information you've accumulated when it's shown in opposition of no one knowing that. It's like, yeah. Um, Right. So, and then another example I think would be a, the guy that wrote uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, What's his name? Uh, Michael Crichton. Yeah, he wrote a book on like time travel or something like that. And then the last one, and probably the most important one, well, it has nothing to do with knowledge, but I think there's a Jean Claude Van Damme movie with time travel. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Which one? Time Cop? I believe Time Cop. Hey, but either way, that's a good one. If you're you're looking for a question to stump buddy, somebody, there it is. Because I've asked asked about a dozen people because I had this thought not very long ago. And Mm. every time people are like, well, dang. I really, I'm not quite sure. My, my, my recent question uh, that I've had in that thing that I found very interesting, and I've been asking a lot of my friends, particularly the ones that, I, that, uh, that sort of fancy themselves as like pretty bright, uh-huh. is I ask them, w- if you took the SATs now, would you do better or worse than when you were oh, worse. in high school? Right, I would do worse for sure. I don't know how to do algebra anymore, so dude, I took (laughs) I took the GMAT a few years ago. I was gonna go get my MBA, and so I had to take the GMAT. I passed it, but man, I had to study so much math that I had already done. But just like I totally forgot how to do all these things. Yeah, right. So think about what that tells us. Right, one, it tells us that our brains deteriorate. Two, it tells us that we lose information that we don't use often. So imagine if like they sort of reformatted the the SATs so they're less of a performance or demonstration of ability and actually like a little bit more intrinsically useful stuff. Like practical mm-hmm. knowledge type thing or what? Yeah. Yeah. Something a little more timeless. I like it. Yeah, probably if it was based off of like critical thinking, I think yeah. I would do a lot better like now like than IQ I would test. then. But yeah. if it's based off of do long division. I'm going to be like, I don't remember long division. I was about to say, but before someone goes into engineering, you need to make sure they know the, the whatever. Yeah. They know how to... I was trying to think of a math term. I couldn't even think Pythagorean of Pythagorean theorem? Sure. A squared, B squared equals C squared? Ba-boom. <laughs> I guess so. All right, guys. Awesome. Thank you guys for listening. We're sorry that we rambled for so long here at the end. Maybe it was entertaining. Maybe it wasn't. If you guys want to follow us on Instagram, we are at Modern Maker Podcast. But more importantly... Go to at dwell made. Like I mentioned earlier in the video, we launched that last week. Ben has the video out. We're going to be putting out a video of Chris's this week. Am I correct? 
Yep, there'll be, yep. by the time this yes. goes, there should be three videos up. Exactly. So make sure, go follow that Instagram account just so you can generally stay updated on what we're building, what we're making, what's coming out. And then obviously, subscribe to that YouTube channel. That's a given. And uh, yeah, we are at Modern Builds, at Benjamin Ueda, and at Four Eyes Furniture if you want to keep up with us on a weekly basis, daily basis more than. Uh, follow the stories, follow the posts, and uh, have a great rest of <laughs> and have a great rest of your week. Bye, everybody. See ya. Bye.